Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share lessons and experiences in sports performance and professional development. Episode 54, Content Creation and Social Media Fame, How It Relates to Coaching. Not to give too much of the episode away, but I just want to share the context in which I think you should consume and listen to this episode. So we consume content, and specifically content from other coaches and practitioners in the field in this context of how do we ourselves get better. You know, we, we consume it from people that we believe are are good coaches, practitioners that have achieved more than we have. And we have subsequently something to learn from them. So with my critique of kind of social media, I want to I want you to think about the lens in which you create for yourself because you control your own social media. The lens that that you create for yourself with your social media and subsequently how that creates the lens in which you think about and interact with your own uh, facet of, of sports performance, whatever whatever field you're in. So I hope that made sense. Let's get it going. Let's get better together. Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share lessons experiences in sports performance and professional development. My name is Matt Tomet and I'm your host. Welcome to episode 54 of TSP, content creation and social media fame, how it relates to coaching. So this is a combination of my little social media rant and some stuff I've been thinking on a while now, now that we're in quarantine and I have nothing else to do than you know work on my own stuff and consume content all day. But I think it's very important because it's become very popular nowadays to create content. Not that that's a bad thing, but I think it's important to reflect on the content we create and the content we consume and, and how it impacts the field that we're all in and the field that we love. And that is sports performance and everything related to it. So I just want to get some technicalities and definitions out of the way just for operational sake. And content creators, I got this, uh, I forgot where I got this definition from, but this would be someone who makes their living completely on making content, which I think is absolutely crazy that someone can do, I mean, I, I don't know, YouTube, social media, all that different kind of stuff with all the ad revenues and the sponsorships and whatever it may be. And that'd be pretty cool. More power to them. Influencers, or no, that would be the definition of an influencer. Sorry. Someone that makes their, their full living uh, on social media. Social media, uh, popularity, fame, you know, that would be people with, I don't know, let's say 10, 5,000 plus, 10,000 plus followers. I think that's, that, that's a lot to me, you know, but um, just to, to talk a little bit about my experiences, I forgot it was my junior year of undergrad. So what was that four years ago? And I wanted to make a blog. This is before you know, video content became super popular, which that that's what I believe is, is dominating uh, social media and everything like that right now. But I started with the blog because I want to make content because uh, Eric Cressy was probably the biggest person I, I, em- I try to emulate that I idolized was his blog was really popular and you can get a lot of quality content in in a well-written blog and that's what I went and I went for it. And then that kind of, you know, kind of died out. And then I tried YouTube videos, not for uh, TSP, the talking shop podcast, just, you know, a bunch of just random stuff. I don't even know <laughs> looking back and 
you know, now I have a podcast and I, I have my coaching page and stuff like that. So I've been doing this for a little bit. And like I said, I'm a content consumer, just like all of you guys. So I, I think that I have a, an interesting perspective because I've been giving uh, this content creation a go for a little bit now. Not not full time, not as intense as as the people that I'm referencing, who some people do literally do it for a living. But probably more than, than the average bear. And this is a disclaimer that I'm not hating on all of social media. There's a lot of content and a lot of creators that I think deserve more fame that I think put out really good, high quality content. And I myself learn a ton from YouTube, from podcasts, from social media and stuff like that. But I think it's overwhelmingly negative when you think about it and analyze it and really critique it. And I think that there's a lot of things that could be done better. And I want to kind of just share a little reflection to get you guys thinking and, um, and kind of tie it back to, you know, sports performance, being practitioners and how you can get the most out of my, my little critique and my little reflection. So this absolutely blows my mind. And I didn't, I did, I didn't want to search for a, a, uh, a GIF or a YouTube video or a clip or a screenshot or whatever it may be of just some of this crazy stuff because it would have just made me more agitated. But I guess I'll start with with the flashy drills. And it blows my mind. And I've had this talk with people high up in Power 5 sports performance that agree with me. Some of my recent phone calls I've been having blows my mind. Next time you go to your Instagram Explore page where it's just like all the random random posts and whatnot that are like relevant to you or whatever. Click on all of the exercises, right? The, of, you know, some dude demonstrating a drill. He's got banded this, chained that, and he's doing all this box jumping and da da da, whatever BS. And, and look at the caption, fire emoji. I mean, I use the fire emoji, but fire emoji. Banded, contra, ipsilateral, explosive, flyby, tuck, jump, spinning, drill rep thing, you know? And it's just like, dude, have you ever put those words down on a program before? Have you ever had an athlete do that besides yourself? Have you ever done that longitudinally in a program? What is the regression of that? What is the progression of that? You know? Now, I would understand maybe. If you have some super high, you know, elite athlete, oh, I've, I've had little Johnny since, since he was an eighth grader. He's been training with me for 10 years. Yeah, you can get a little creative. And this bothers me be, because you're creating content for, for coaches to consume to become better coaches or practitioner, whatever field of sports performance it may be. And that is not going to make them better. And it's not going to make you better because that's not something you actually do. And if you feel personally attacked by this, I want you to send me a, uh, a picture of a program for one of your clients, one of your everyday clients, clients like, like all, all of us have in, your, in that program and then actually doing it. So there's all these flashy drills because that, that's what's cool because people – People look at it and people like it and, and they put it in their Instagram saved and their Twitter likes and whatever it may be. 
just in the back of their mind, a little, a little uh, bit of dopamine. It's like, oh, wow, that's so novel. That's so cool. I'm going to use it in my program one day. And have you? And, and another disclaimer, I'm only crit crit critiquing all this stuff because I used to believe all of this stuff. You know, I've learned from my naivety. Is it, it's, it's just going to sit in your Twitter likes and Instagram save because it's not realistic. It's not applicable. It's not for you as a practitioner to make yourself better. And I think that that's one of the few things that this really comes down to is, is people are putting out content, not for the betterment of everyone else, but for their own likes, followers, whatever it may be. And I think I beat that horse fair enough dead for flashy drills, but I hope you get the point. Next, pro athletes. And, you know, maybe, the, <laughs> maybe this is me just being salty uh, that, you know, my, my mom is 4'11", my dad's 5'8", and I somehow got to be six feet and I played D2 baseball in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me be salty about that. Just kidding. I had an awesome time. But there's all of these pro athletes specifically on YouTube because, and they're making content and I hear them trying to explain these things, whether it's their own workouts, whether it's a special movement they do in training, whether it's something specific about their sport. Cool. You get a, you get a lesson with the other millions of people that watch that video, hundreds of thousands of that, that specific thing about that topic from your idol. Cool. It's an awesome platform. Great. But if you know anything about coaching, it just like grinds my gears where it's like 17 different internal cues. And it's just like so obvious if you really like sit and think about it, they've never coached someone in their entire life. They've never dealt with a youth athlete, seven to nine years old. They never dealt with a middle school athlete. They've never dealt with a high school athlete or a college athlete. Yeah, they could help out their their teammates. Great, but is that? But are you are you coaching professional athletes that are your teammates? I don't think so. I think you're coaching the the prior three, uh, four youth, middle school, high school, college athletes. And just think about literally if you showed them that video, would that make sense to them? If you were to literally get up and and do everything they were doing like i i watched one today I'm, I'm on a little crossfit binge don't judge me pretty effective workouts but that's whole different whole different thing and they were talking about handstand push-ups if you know what that is it's where you do a handstand against the wall you go down touch out the ground push back up great and they were talking about and this is a crossfit games athlete and they were talking about so i want you to to uh, do like a little tripod, uh, tripod regression to start. I want you to turn on your lats. So I'm on my, my hands and my head and I just start squeezing my lats. So you're, you're going to turn on your lats and your shoulders to, to stabilize yourself, make sure all of the weight's not on your head. And then I really want you to focus on your midline, right? Bringing your hips even. So then you have your core, your back, your lats, and your shoulders all tight, ready to go supporting you. 
And this is, you know, minute one of this like seven minute video, whatever. And I'm just over here like, if I were to be doing these handstand pushups right now, I would be so lost. And this was partly in inspired by one of Nick Winkleman's Instagram posts where it's like, if you want your athletes to stop being confused, stop giving them more than one cue. Now I'm, I'm gonna meet that halfway, that quote halfway, as I believe most content you should meet halfway. But if it's all this internal stuff and the whole internal first external cue debate, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna get into that. But it's, and it's different making, making content for YouTube as opposed to actually working with an athlete where you get real-time feedback, you can see their reps, you know, progress from uh, rep to rep, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like I said, this isn't all to be set in stone. This is all just pers for perspective and reflecting. But just like, think about how you would describe it versus how they're describing it. And think about how like someone who you look, who you look up to as a really good coach would describe it. And then watch another, you know, pro athlete, pro athlete, you know, try to describe that same drill or whatever it may be, you know, and, and it's like watching someone who's not a really good coach is not going to make me a better coach besides learning what not to do. And is there value in that? Yeah. But only if you realize it. And like I said, if, if, if we consume content, partly for leisure, right. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to say that you can't consume content leisurely and it's cool to, to you know, watch these athletes not under the lights when they're being personal and they're sharing insight. Like I said, part of my disclaimer, I'm not trying to hate on all social media. But when you're consuming content with the intent for becoming a better coach, a better practitioner in whatever, you know, facet of sports performance it is, wouldn't you want to learn from people that are really good practitioners in whatever facet of sports performance you're in. So I don't want to give away the rest of my talk, but that's just, you know, pro athletes done. Inauthenticity. Oh my gosh. Now I'm really going to get heated. Okay. The amount of titles that I see of content, whether it's the names of these crazy drills or YouTube videos or podcast names, I want to scream, oh my gosh, in all caps, right? All caps, of course, because if I wasn't being screamed out through my computer, why else would I listen to it or click on it? The one, the one drill you need to blow up your shoulders, right? If it's something bodybuilding related. Get wider shoulders in seven days time, you know? The one secret that catapulted me from, from regional workouts to the CrossFit games or the open, whatever it may be, whatever examples. Or, yeah, not going to, okay, whatever, that's done. So I just want you to, to think about the, the content, the you know, tweets, whatever it may be, how people are marketing their stuff, right? Are they marketing their, their stuff as this one-stop shop, the secret that, that, uh, that no one else has, you know, that the shortcut, whatever it may be. And I just think that that's so inauthentic, which my next slide, I'm not going to give it away. And 
so that's just like the inauthenticity where people are going for just likes and clicks and follows. And this is another part of my social media rant where, yeah, at the end of the day, we are doing this for likes. I create content to get likes, to get followers, because that is feedback of me doing, me doing something right. If I made this and no one listened to it, no one clicked on it, no one engaged with it, then I'm just wasting my own time, you know? So I'm making this for a purpose, and that is a form of feedback, right? That I know that people are actually consuming it. But if you're marketing it inauthentically and you're selling it for something that, that is truly not, then, like I said, I believe that's inauthentic. And my last part about what absolutely blows my mind, and then I'll move, move on, is the triviality of it. Some of this stuff that people put out there, and this is the, on their own time, great, you can do whatever the heck you want. But just, the, and it's cool because they're pro athletes, right, or whatever, or it's people that you really look up to and they're, you know, inviting you into their life. And that's one thing that's really cool about social media, right? The farther I get into my rant, I don't want this to be me just being anti-social media. Like I said, I consume a lot of this content. I think it's really cool. I think it's really neat that people are open enough to, to share that part of their life. And I forgot, I was watching Hot Ones, if you, if you guys know what that is. I've been on a, a Hot Ones binge. And I, and I was very interested, just the more I watched, when he does explain that gram, if you guys know what I'm talking about, on the fifth hottest wing, he takes like three just interesting pictures from their Instagram. How many celebrities are not on any social media at all. Like Scarlett Johansson, I think is one of them. Paul Rudd might be one of them, if you know those names. It just like kind of blew my, blew my mind. And I forgot who, who it was, but they said that privacy is gonna be the thing of the future. Just how, just how, was it? No, not Will Smith. I don't think he was on there. There was some actor that only got a specific like type of role in movies. Little tangent, really quick. There was an actor that only got a specific type of role in movies, and he was frustrated because they knew in his home life. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making this up for, for the example. Uh, family Guy, funny, personal, whatever it may be, and those were the only roles that he got, and that was really frustrating because he said that if he if he had a little bit more privacy and people didn't know what he was like in his home life and people didn't already have this image of him in his head, he could, he could get potentially a wider variety of roles. So I thought it was an interesting little, little story. And I, I believe that, you know, privacy will be the, the, the thing of the future. Can social media content be created for good? Yes. I don't want to overstate how awesome it can be. And I think that a lot of people get a lot of good things out of social media professionally, whether it gets their content and their name in front of the eyes of, of people that eventually they get a job with or whatever it may be, you know, whatever. But that, you know, people are putting out this content. Oh, my suit. I literally saw it on YouTube before. I, I, I didn't click on it, but it was on my, my YouTube screen. My super average morning routine. And they made like this 12 minute video based on what they do in the morning when they wake up. And I'm just over here like, really? Is that what people want nowadays? Now, like I said, it's cool. 
it was a it was a very popular athlete you get insight into their lives you know or just when when people get so it's it's just it's just like how trivial some of the stuff they produce are where it's like these like such a little minute stuff where it's like if you were to if you were to make a video for your colleagues would that would that be a video for your colleagues you know if you were to make a video for your fam like would would that qualify as like worthy for your family worth their time like whatever so that's i'm done with what blows my mind i hope my point got across now this is one of the the two main slides i think there's six this is slide four don't don't hate me if i'm wrong this is what's overhyped and underdelivered, and this is how I describe it. So, overhyped. What is always said that makes a good coach, right? Emotional intelligence, adaptability. Uh, people, uh, EQ, adaptability, um, and just like things like that, soft skills, whatever it may be, you know? I've heard multiple times that, oh, I, I can teach you how to write programs. I can't teach you how to relate to people, right? I can't teach you how to bring the energy every day and stuff like that. So I believe that that's overhyped. Now here's what's underdelivered. What blows up on social media? Flashy drills that are never gonna be put in programs. The newest programming scheme, whatever, a fancy new way to add bands and chains for your back squat. Pro athletes describing coaching, teaching stuff that is never going to work in the real world. But like I said, that's what blows up. And that's what's like overhyped and underdelivered is, you know, what makes a good coach, a good practitioner, all of these things. It's overhyped because we always talked about it. Oh my gosh. Like I've heard that so much, but it's underdelivered because that's not the content that's out there. You know, just like when uh, Brett Bartholomew's uh, conscious coaching came out, coaching emotional intelligence. Oh my gosh. Finally, awesome book. Highly recommend it. Love his content. Jeremy Boone, if you know the name, athlete by design, leadership kit, all. Uh, crazy good stuff he has i don't even know how many followers maybe like a thousand something two thousand three thousand something followers he has a ted talk that's how good his stuff is right that's how big his name is if you understand kind of the circle that he's in and then the first the first banded drill crazy thing i see has like a hundred thousand views and i'm over here like something is not right here like something is definitely not right and why is there this disconnect right between what's always preached and what i believe truly makes you know someone a, a better practitioner is those soft skills those things you get you get uh with experience right things that you can't just like watch in a 60 second clip or whatever it may be now, like I said, there's a lot of content I really like, you know, podcasts, you can go a little bit more in depth. There are, you know, informational infographics and stuff like that. You know, like I want you guys to be big boys, big girls, be able to uh, critique my critique, right? Critique your social media, 
and figure out kind of what fits into these different uh, sections of social media content I'm describing. But why is, why is there this disconnect? I believe that, that there's this disconnect because it's part of human nature. People like novelty, people like cool, people like exciting, people like, like feeling like they belong and feeling like they can relate to other people. And they're like, oh my gosh, like I get that, you know? But there's also the disconnect because what makes a good coach isn't, isn't sexy. You don't, you don't want to sit and watch some dude talk about the intricacies of communicating with a middle school athlete. But is that like half of your clientele? Yeah. And it, and it's it, like, I, I get it, right? I've been there and done that. This is why I have the points of view that I have. And I want you to, I want you to think on, on these questions, right? I think this is super important. And, and if you have similar responses, I love to hear them. If you have different ones, I love to hear them. I think this is interesting to talk about. And even just critiquing social media, like, like critical thinking, getting down to it, reflecting, trying to realize why am I consuming content? What am I actually getting stuff out of? Why am I creating content? What kind of content am I putting out there? You know, the stuff that's going to make me a better content creator, that's going to make me a better practitioner, that's going to help me make you guys a better practitioner. You know, this stuff that <laughs> apparently I can put in a YouTube video, but you guys get what I'm saying. And like answer these questions. What is always said that makes a good coach? What blows up on social media? Why, and if any, why is there a disconnect, right? Just some food for thought. The main point, second to last slide, is that it matters that you've been there, done that to your athletes, to your followers, to your listeners, likes, subscribers, whatever it may be, right? And, and this is one thing that hit, hit me, and this is why it's kind of frustrating. Because I have not been there, done that, apart from playing college baseball, apart from coaching for three years in sports performance, and being a sports scientist for, for two years. And that's the content that I create and I speak on because I've been there and done that. And do you think that if... I don't want to put any pro athletes on blast because like obviously they're pro athletes, but you know, let's, let's just say whatever pro athlete. Do you think that they get a hundred thousand followers on YouTube because they make amazing content? Or do you think they have a hundred thousand followers on YouTube because they're a professional athlete? You know, think about how much traffic they get from just their social media right to go to their podcast to get their followers to go to the podcast to go to their youtube page to get in you know go do all this other stuff because they are who they are because they've been there done that because they have something that all of us want and i think that that's another reason why we consume content right because we're all you know striving for something so it it matters that they've been there done that because they've achieved what we want and that matters. So 
and even with jobs for some internships or even jobs as a sports performance coach, they put in the job description, college athletes or ex-college athletes preferred, right? Because if I'm little Matt coaching little Johnny, right? And, and the dad walks in, he's like, oh, hey, you know, nice to meet you. Da, da, da. Oh, yo, you know, Johnny's a baseball player. You're a baseball player. I'm like, oh, pff. yo, varsity baby crushed it. You know, I don't, whatever region conference award that I didn't get. You know, he's like, oh, geez, like, yeah, whatever. Who's this guy? What does he know about baseball? I play high school baseball too. Da, da, da. Or if his dad comes up to me, he goes, oh, you know, little Johnny's baseball player, you're a baseball player too, right? I go, oh, yeah. You know, I just finished my career playing at Truman State University. It's Division II. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. Like, da, da, da. oh, I went to the D2 College World Series. My freshman year was sweet. You know, I played against some guys that got drafted, da, da, da. And I've been there, done that, because he wants little Johnny to play college baseball one day. You know? And you get these really good coaches. You get these really successful bodybuilders. You get these really successful athletes and people consume their content because they've been there, done that. They've achieved what they want themselves. And they can literally speak on the intricacies of making it through the minor leagues, right? Because they literally went through the minor leagues. This sounds super basic, but you know, think about it. It makes sense. And it's cool that that's not, like there's all these stories and little intricacies, like I said, that would never otherwise be told that you would never otherwise listen or hear, get to experience if it weren't for social media and content creation and stuff like that. And that's why I said, you know, I'm gonna keep going back to it, that social media is really cool. There's a lot of really cool content out there, right? But I just wanna critique the things that I think could get better. Now, the, the next main point is like, be critical of the content you consume and the content you create. If you're just going to consume the flashy stuff, the stuff that looks cool, then your mind, whenever you're working out on your own is, oh, what flashy drills can I create? You know, what, what's gonna give me likes on social media, et cetera, et cetera. But if, if you're consuming, content of coaches encouraging you to experiment on your own to try to master the basics to try to figure out the runway of of progressions and regressions of something basic like a trap bar deadlift you know things like that that i'm just making up then that's going to shift your whole your whole workout right and those are relevant things that you as a sports performance coach are going to apply whenever this quarantine stuff is over, right? When you get back with your athletes. So so just as much as, as we create the lens of social media that we consume, that social media creates the lens in which we think about everything else. Think of how we frame the content that we could create, right? Or however we're going to uh, apply that content, right? Because like I said, if we're consuming this, content to become better practitioners right then that social media is going to create a lens in which 
us as practitioners will apply that that information and that material. And I think that, that that's a very important point. And my final point now, because we know that it matters that you've been there and done that. So what does that mean? That means go out and do experiment, learn, and then talk about it, right? I've recently gone on my own fitness journeys. I got into Olympic lifting, right? After I got my USAW. And it was just, it was just like a, a crime once it hit me. I was like, I am not a good Olympic weightlifting coach, right? Like my, my coworker, Erwin, who I'll have on here one day, if he's, if he's listening, he's a way better Olympic weightlifting coach than I am. But at the end of the day, I'm certified and he's not. So what did I do? I picked up Olympic weightlifting, right? Now, I was a little bored because I just graduated, so I needed a new little hobby, right? But it was a functional hobby that helped me become a better coach. And I became a 100% better, 150% better Olympic weightlifting coach by Olympic weightlifting on my own for the next semester at school, the next just six weeks at school than I ever could have just going to the two-day seminar. Now, I'm not trying to hate on the certification, right? Let's not go there. But you know, then, uh, I try, I mess around with a little bit of powerlifting, right? Because my strength was holding back my Olympic lifts. And I had a, a coworker. I was fortunate enough. That's a world champion powerlifter. You know, I learned from him. I dug into Mike Tashir stuff. I learned a little bit about West side stuff. You have juggernaut training systems. And I powerlifted for myself. Then I have a coworker who is a uh, competitive bodybuilder. Super cool. Uh, one day I was just like, hey man, can I work out with you? He was like, sure. First thing is like three by 15. And I'm just complaining the whole time because I can't remember the last time I went you know, above six reps on, you know, on purpose on something. But I bodybuilded body with him for a semester. I dug into... Renaissance periodization on Mike Isertel. I dug into Eric Helms. I dug into Jeff Nippert, if you guys know who those people are. Guys that I believe are really good content consumers. Their stuff isn't super flashy. Their stuff isn't inauthentic in how they market it. They create really good content. They have really good stories. They've all been there, done that, right? This is a point I, I want to say earlier. That's why bro science is a thing. Why do you listen to the biggest guy in the gym? Because he has what you want. Mike Isatel is massive, right? He's really smart, he's funny, and he's relatable, you know? But then I went down the, the, uh, the bodybuilding uh, path for a little bit. Now, with this quarantine stuff, with my, my limited equipment in my basement right now, where I do my home workouts, CrossFit can kick your butt if you know what you're doing. And you know how to create workouts. And I have a friend who's a competitive CrossFitter, right? Got some advice from them. Some insights. I've been consuming content of, of good CrossFitters, you know. And now in my, in my back pocket, in my practitioner overalls, I have better experience on how to coach and program for Olympic lifting, for a strength block, powerlifting, for a, a general preparation hypertrophy block. And now 
let's just call it conditioning, right? To keep a general sports performance. And I hope that you guys have the critical thinking skills to apply this to whatever facet of sports performance you're in, right? And if you're kind of confused, let me know. I'd love to try to, you know, make this more relatable to your situation. And now I can talk about my experiences, what I learned because I've been there. Like there were, I had so many misconceptions about all four, you know, facets of performance and training, stuff like that until I actually was there and did that. And I can talk about how I body built for four months. I now understand what cutting and bulking is like that I never otherwise would have understood. Not that I'm a nutritionist or RD or, you know, whatever, but I get it. I can relate. I can speak that language. I've, I mentioned that a lot because that's super important. Whatever lingo it may, you know, if, if I get some, some, uh, some CrossFitter comes into a gym, I might own one day. I can speak their language, you know, if, if they would just want to use some of the equipment a few times a week, whatever. I can speak that language. How cool is that, right? If if there's a, a random athlete, right? So this is just like um, picking up a new sport, just joining a league for uh, a year. Like you get that lingo. And that goes a long way because people feel related to, relatable. They feel connected, right? And they feel not crazy. Like people get it. People get me. So... Don't want to overstate that. Last slide. What I believe, there's two things I believe, right? One thing I believe is that you will never hear about the people doing the best stuff, right? There is awesome stuff going on. Not that I personally know. I've, I hear this from smarter people and I believe it because I believe they're credible and they put out good content, people that I have phone calls with. Sports science in this context, because I've had some sports science phone calls recently. That you, there is awesome sports science going on in D3 sports, NAIA schools, stuff that you will never hear about because one, they're really good at what they do and they don't care about social media following because. They're not in it for the big, the big names, right? That's probably why they're at a small school. Or because are you gonna are you gonna listen to the sports scientists from Monmouth College, from Iowa Central Community College? Probably not. You know, if you see sports scientists of Clemson football. Yeah, I think we're all going to click on click on that stuff, you know. So that's one thing I believe is that you can't take what's out there necessarily as the best there is. It can be pretty good, and there's a lot of good stuff out there like I said. But I believe that you'll never hear about the best stuff because it's it's just there's you, you just never know. I hope that point made sense. I didn't sum that up very well. The second thing I believe, and I'm going to read this quote from Mike Isertel at RPDR Mike, Renaissance Purization Dr. Mike. I love his stuff. I think he's super funny. He was on The Art of Getting Stuff Done, you know, 
there was a swear word instead of stuff, but the Order of Getting Stuff Done podcast with Carolyn McDonald. Really awesome episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Here's a quote. <clears throat> People are always looking for good things. If you are good at what you do, there's an army of people waiting to find you. End quote. Dr. Mike Isertel. So basically, if you're good at what you do, you'll have success. And that is what I, I firmly believe. And that's why I think it's just a matter of time. And hopefully it starts with this podcast, helping you develop your critical thinking skills and the lens in which you consume social media. That the people that make really good content, right? The, the people that make content that helps their consumers become better practitioners in sports performance. They will always be making content because they will all, there's an, there's an army of people, right? You included an army of people that are craving content to make them better sports performance practitioners. How cool is that? Right. And sometimes people just, the army goes to the wrong part of whatever fight analogy, <laughs> you know? So this is why you have to take ownership of your own social media content consumption. Like I said, cause it's going to create the lens in which you then view everything else. Right. So if you're good at what you do, you'll have success. And I, I, I forgot, I think I got this, uh, this example from Eric Holmes, iron culture podcast, right? They're talking about, Mike Chang's six-pack shortcuts. Y'all remember that? However many millions of views he got, you know, six-minute abs, shortcut, one week, whatever his marketing scheme was. I, I watched the videos. He doesn't want a, you know, six-pack shortcut. And when's the last time you saw his stuff? However many years ago, you know? So if you're good at what you do, Right, I'll try some of this stuff. If you get what you do, you'll have success because there's an army of people waiting to find you. If you're marketing your stuff authentically, right? If you're creating purposeful content, if you can speak from true experience, right? If you know how to frame it in a way that'll help the consumer become better practitioners, because that's why we're all here, right? I create content because I want you to become a better practitioner because you want it for yourself and I respect that, right? So if you set yourself up for success and the content you consume and you set others up for the content, your content that they consume, right? Then I think we're just all going to accelerate and use this social media to the best of our ability. That's my rant. Content creation, social media fame and popularity how it relates to you as a coach. That was fun. That was a rant. Appreciate you sticking with me. If you have any questions, anything you want me to flush out further, anything that, that didn't make sense, um, I'd love to answer it. Uh, I know that it, it was probably a little confusing to follow along at times, but I, like I said, I'd love to make another video, another podcast uh, to help you understand this a little bit further. I think this is super important because it is a part of our everyday lives. Think about how many times you check your phone a day and open social media, hundred. I want to help you become the best practitioner you can be. And that starts with, in this context, your social media consumption. So hope it helps. Let's get better together. TSP, the Talking Shop Podcast, episode 54.
that does it for this episode of the Talking Shop Podcast. Thank you very much for giving me your time. I really do appreciate it. I hope this episode did a good job of making you stop and think and evaluate about the topics discussed. I'd love to hear what you thought, so please feel free to give me a comment, rating, review, like on whatever platform you're listening on. Let me know what you want to hear next. Hit me up on social media at Coach Big Toe. That's at Coach B-I-G-T-O-E on Insta and Twitter. Remember, we can all get better together.